0: Coming up on this edition of Off The Fence, well, we have Barry Garrity looking back on his beloved Constitution Hill, bolting up in the Tollworth Hurdle. Tony Keenan, he gets stuck in to pick you up a few scraps from over the Christmas New Year period. Horses that you may well have missed, that have flown under the radar, but he's very strong on for some of the spring festivals. And then on top of all of that, we've got tracker time and we have some terrific viewers questions where we cover a whole range of topics. welcome to off the fence this is your weekly go to jumps program you come here for all the information we look back we look forward we're building to the Cheltenham festival and beyond on this show uh, any viewers who've been with us all season, hello! And if you're a new viewer, well, welcome to the show. Now's the time to get involved. Turn of the year, and we're building up to the Cheltenham Festival and all the big spring meetings. Each week, I'm joined, as always, by Barry Garrity and Tony Keenan, and a quick check-in with them. Tony, how's your week been?
1: Uh, I'm a bit like Manella Indo after the King George. I'm a, I'm a bit, I'm a bit shocked, uh, as Henry de Bram had said, but uh, hopefully, I'm coming out the right side of this now. <laughs>
0: Okay, good to, Good that you're coming, up. like you say, just reviving yourself a little bit. Well, that's what we like to hear. And Barry, how are you? Uh, been in the pub recently?
2: Yeah, I just managed to, to, to call in for a little bit there yesterday um, after Race furious, which was nice. Thank you, Vanessa. Good
0: good good I like it before we go any further in this show we are going to be looking back at the big races from the weekend as we always do but we're also going to be picking up a few scraps from over the Christmas period that we left behind obviously we've had one show already looking back at Christmas and New Year there was a few other horses that we should have given a mention to and so we're going to look back at a few of them and then on top of all of that well we've got our viewers questions loads of you sent loads of questions in thank you so much for that some really interesting topics topics And uh, we're going to get stuck into a few of those, so that is going to be good fun later on the show and tracker time as well. All the usual things. And before I go any further, little bit of housekeeping hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, I know I say it every week, but that way you won't miss a sim- single episode, and you don't want to after all. Uh, without further ado, let's get cracking straight on into Sandown, where of course the toll with hurdle happened. And where better place to start than with Barry Garrity because constitution hill absolutely bolted in and barry uh just tell us your feelings watching the race what were you like in the aftermath obviously for anyone who doesn't know fyi barry had this horse as a store uh broken in got it going sold it for a lot of money and is now watching it seemingly become well it's become the hype horse of the festival after after bolting up in the toll with barry so talk us through watching the race at your end
2: that was brilliant. Um, He jumped great. He travelled well. Um, I know Nicky and, and Nico were slightly concerned about the ground, but personally, I was, I was happy enough it wasn't going to be an issue for him. He wouldn't want it too quick. He, he'd enjoy a dig in it. Digging it. Um, so I, I knew that very soft and wouldn't be an issue, and it turned out that way. But he, he did it brilliantly. And, and I suppose the thing I like most is just how he jumped the last, extended, quickened away. He won nicely. There was no messing about. He's not looking up at the stands. And Sandown is a daunting place on a big day so he's you know he's got albeit he hasn't got much race course experience he's been very professional on the racetrack so lots of positives to take from it the time in comparison to the last race ran over course and distance and on the same day was 11 seconds quicker and on his previous win his time of the two mile track was the quickest of the day so he's it's all pointing in the right direction and visually and you couldn't be any more impressed than, than you than what he's done so far
0: And in terms of your involvement with this horse from the early days, we have covered it on this show before, but um, picking up a few of those strands, I mean, you clearly had loads of faith in the horse, but when you sell a horse to a friend of yours, essentially a Michael Buckley, and you clearly really believed in the animal. How much of a relief or a joy is it to watch him go and win a grade one? Obviously, there's so many steps still ahead of him, but to win that grade one on just the second start in those Michael Buckley colours, how much of a thrill do you get out of that?
2: Oh, it's brilliant. I would suppose his first win was probably more thrilling for me because arguably it was a stronger field, um, and he was so impressive, and he's going there in his first runs here, you're hoping for a good show, and then to have done what he did that day, sure he he just tore it apart, and straight away he looked like a grade one horse, so it probably wasn't a vintage race on saturday i don't he didn't have to be anywhere near his best, and you know he, he strolled in so it was it was more of a confirmation of what he'd done previously um so but it was lovely him to win a grade one to see him at the head of the market for the supreme is that's unbelievable, and um, you know haven't had him here for two and a half three years. Broke him, got him going, had him as a foal all the way through, and you know, nearly like a pet. Were here with the kids and everything, and you saw the video of of Orland. All the kids had to go to him at some stage, so he was a he was a good fun horse to have around, and and a horse but who was always physically growing into the type of horse he would hoped he'd be, and um, so he's you know he, everything went really well for him through the whole way through his 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 growing up, if you like. So it's um no, it's really exciting to see him, and fingers crossed he can stay in one piece.
0: And I mentioned Michael Buckley did that great interview afterwards uh, in the aftermath of the race. But you and him are obviously still incredibly, cl- well, friendly after having so many big days for him in the saddle as well. So to do this for him and after after your riding days are over must have been a nice a nice wave with him.
2: Oh, brilliant, definitely. Um, a great success over the years for Michael Finnegan's rainbow champion chase, top of the list. But lots of other spirits, on and... Um, Spirit River won a uh, Carl Hurdle like won, won lots of winners with so Michael like, brilliant fella to ride for but a good friend as well and likewise with Nicky too who I had a great connection with for years you know it's great it's great to be involved with them still um, and I have a horse like that so no, it's just it's really exciting and um, no, I'm loving
0: it and two final questions for you then on Constitution Hill one Uh, Come Cheltenham, obviously there's lots of chat now about him and John Bond in the Supreme Market. Will they get split? Of course, Constitution Hill seems to have the mind and the temperament to be stepped up in trip at some point in his life. And uh, Nicky Henson's already referenced this whole thing with Simon Sig stepping him up in trip uh, to the two and a half mile division come Cheltenham. And I think that's put a few... Uh, scare us anyway up Constitution Hill backers for the Supreme. And I I seem to ask you this every week, but do you still genuinely think we'll see him in the Supreme rather than anywhere else?
2: I'd have thought so. Um, you know, he's been very very good twice over two miles, um, so it, it's hard to see why they they would uh, go unless they decide that they might decide between themselves to to split them with Michael and and JP, or they might both run into one race. I don't know, um, but I'd imagine. First, first preference would be the supreme at the minute anyway I'd imagine.
0: And then final question for you Barry and this came from one of our viewers, James Robinson has asked how will Barry celebrate when Constitution Hill wins the supreme?
2: <laughs> well I'd never like to count me chickens before they hatch but hopefully I will be celebrating and if I am celebrating I will be celebrating with you all because we'll be doing a live recording up off the fence that evening.
0: That is very true, Barry. Yes, you're a company man. I love that. Right, let's move on. We've covered Constitution very well there. Uh, Congratulations to you, Barry. I loved watching it. Uh, Terrific, terrific victory. Um, Let's move on and talk about uh, some of the Irish action. Dub Vegan in the Dan Moore Memorial and Brian Cooper riding him to victory. Uh, Tony, did you think this was a good performance from him and from the horse to start with anyway?
1: I definitely thought the first thing Barry be doing after that horse if he wins is looking for another five percent. But anyway we we'll see about that closer <laughs> to the time. Dunvegan, Vegan, um the hitherto very frustrating Dunvegan. Vegan. Um I feel like I've had shares in this horse uh over the last two years and he hasn't delivered but Over the last um, couple of starts, he's been brilliant. They've finally figured out what he needs, which is a a forward ride um, over two miles. Now, maybe going right-handed is a little bit a part of it. He does seem to particularly like Fairy House, but it might just be the the forcing tactics of the thing with him. I thought that, that Dan Mio, it was a brilliant race, really. Um, himself and Blackbow went at it from an early stage. I think Blackbow was a little bit faster than him, It's maybe a slightly better jumper, more of a natural two-mailer. I think vegan has got a little bit more stamina but I think Dunvegan definitely has, has a better attitude. Um, Blackbow's always been a little bit temperamental and he didn't really fancy it. I think um, between the last two uh, cocked the jaw a little bit but Dunvegan, yeah, very much on the up. Um, and do you know what? This would have sounded absolutely incredible at the start of the season. But there might be a really soft Grade One going to begging in three or four weeks' time at the Dublin Racing Festival, because reading what connections are saying about this two-mile race between the, the ground, um, and where they're targeting other horses, it doesn't sound like there's anything going to turn up for this. Um, if an argument is going to uh, Ascot, Jack and Bourgeois, I thought reading between the lines, Willie Mullins talking about his injury, um, after Christmas, sounded like something that he wasn't going to be back in a month, it sounded a little bit more long term than that. Um, I read Envoy Allen is a possibility to go straight to uh, Cheltenham, not that you would be maybe massively worried about him anyway. So what's going to run in this race? Dunvegan, um, Captain Guinness, is Cashback going to pitch up? Is Blackbow going to be there again? We presume there's no um, English trainer is going to have an entry, it would be unusual. Maybe they should think about having an entry, maybe a a green a teen or a hit a hitman or something like that. But this looks like it's gonna be a very, very soft grade one, um judging what people are saying at the minute.
0: Oh, interesting angle. I wasn't expecting that. Uh and, and any concerns about him doing it away from Fairy House? Obviously we've seen him do it on v- varying different grounds and he got a hike in the weights from the run before. Uh so all those boxes are ticked. But any is this the fact he operates so well at Fairy House concern?
1: Well, he has disappointed a couple of times at Leperstown before, and at the Dublin Racing Festival. Uh, I'd say there were other reasons for that. Um, yeah, it, it it would be a little bit of concern, but picking through his record of two miles, um, it's excellent. And as I say, they do seem to have gotten the tactics right now. Um, and I, I definitely think it it has to be worth a go now when he's thriving. Um, rather than I, 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 he hasn't entered in a championship, but you're going to be coming up against it. Like there's not just a gap between Shishkin and you I mean there's a chasm between them and the rest of the horses i think in the, in the champion chase and, and you know you really need to be picking your targets here and this could be quite an easy one
0: nice like it and Barry just a quick mention for Brian Cooper obviously he's having this terrific season and it's kind of it's been a little while coming we you know he's been on the big stage for a long time now from a very young age with that big Giggins Town job and then he's sort of out in the wilderness for a little while and now he's come back in the last season or so and he's having a terrific time it, riding for loads of different trainers and um, just in terms of him as a jockey how have you viewed his progression over the last few years Yes, yeah, so
2: obviously Brian had a brilliant start, and then he got the job with town and he brought his Gold Cup winner, and uh, he had a very bad leg fracture, and it was so bad he was lucky he could have lost that leg. So you know it was that was horrific at the time, and um, he came back from that. Then he lost the town job, and um, you know some questioned his uh, his commitment at the time, and I know he had a chat with himself after that, and he's 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 really stuck it in now, and he's he's. He's getting stuck in. Um, he's been well backed over last year with by Paul Nolan, which I think he, he's got great confidence from that. But Brian was always a very, very good jockey. Um, and the first day I saw it was when he rode Special Tiara to win the, the two-mile novice chase at Aintree, beaten Overturn. And it was just tactically, was a brilliant ride. He made the run in early, got a bit outpaced when the pace got too strong. And he sat and he hung on to his horse hung on to a bit and finished it really well. It was just, it was a jockey's ride. And it was the first time I really took note and I said, that fella knows what to do. Um, so no, I think he's a very good jockey. Great to see him back in the big time. And uh, no, i last
0: for him. Yeah, long way at last indeed. Let's move on and talk about St. Sam and the Devils coachman. Uh, St. Sam, who's now 33 to 1 for the Arkell uh, after we saw him in the beginners' chase recently. Uh, and the tie in form here with the Devils coachman and then backing that on to Fernie Hollow. Tony, what did you make of this performance?
1: Impressive from the winner. Thought his jumping was excellent. Um, thought he's well on top of the line, pulled away a lot from the last. Um, Devil's coachman just didn't jump well enough. There was no really significant mistake, just numerous uh, minor ones. I was impressed with the way he kept coming back on the bridle now and coming back for more, but I actually think they're after making the wrong decision here, sending this horse over fences, um, I, th- I thought he had more to give over hurdles. Like He, he was a, a kind of a borderline single-figure price from the Supreme last season. Um, had a bit of a setback, then went to Fairy House disappointed. I thought it might have been worth nearly having a go trying to make a, a good handicap hurdler out of him, Borderline even champion hurdle rag out of him, because um, he definitely has the engine and he's young. Um, but chasing, I, I don't know they're going. I'm sure they're going to persist with it now. He's only had two starts, but the, the jumping at the moment um, does look to be holding him back. Um, the winner. He has the advantage now with the four-year-old allowance. Although it was only four pounds um, on Sunday, which isn't an awful lot. Yeah, he's uh, he he has scoped improve. Um, I think the jumping matter was, was very good. So yeah, an interesting outsider for the article and, and races like that.
0: Okay. And then picking up some other bits of pieces from Ireland over the weekend, Barry, uh, the classic getaway made his long-awaited reappearance and back over, uh, well, starting out over hurdles, sorry, but met his stable mate Cashback who put him in his place, essentially. What did you make of that performance?
2: Yeah, it was a funny choice of race. Um, and you would have to wonder what Willie's reasons to go for this. Um, he looks a keen going horse and he, he's opted for a small field with a race with pace. So maybe that was the reason why he went for this rather than go for a maiden hurdle where he possibly would have ended up making the run. And I obviously, looking at the way they rode him earlier in Clamel, that wasn't the intention. Um, but had he stayed behind cashback um, when he turned into a straight with a circuit to go, he got keen running down the hill and got to the front and he made the rest from that point until he got past. But had he stayed behind cashback, I think he would have beaten him. And if he had have done that, I wonder what price he'd be now for possibly the, the Ballymore. So, you can draw negatives from it, but the horse that beat him is 156 over fences and 141 over hurdles. He's no mug. He had the benefit of a run, which um, Classic Getaway didn't have. So, you can probably be a little bit hard on him. I think it's, I think it's a better run that he's getting credit for. The third horse, Utrid, was 90 lengths behind him, and he's right on the 33, um, and had reasonable form before that. So, I think, um, I think people are being a bit critical of him. He could be, he could be one who could be valued for, for the Baltimore maybe.
0: Interesting, all is not lost with classic getaway then. Uh, let's move on and pick up a few bits and pieces that we missed from Christmas and New Year. uh Let's start with Jinto Barry at Nace in the grade one there. Uh, good performance from him from Gordon Elliott's horse. Uh, this is a race that you were saying earlier before we started the show that it doesn't necessarily, it's not always a strong grade one. Is that your view on this race this year?
2: Yeah, well, it's been won by good horses in the past, but Probably, it, there isn't generally isn't great strength and depth to it. But I thought it was a good performance from Gento, and he was strong at the line as well. He's a horse for me, he, he, he just hasn't excited me all the way through. And this was the first time I looked at him and thought, no, I'd say he is a fair horse. He beat Eric Bloodaxe before that. He's been working with light like winning his maiden hurdle. He got beaten in a bumper when he was odds on. He looked like a horse who was a bit of a talking horse. But I think he's just maybe coming to himself now. And for me, he, he's shaping up like an Albert Barker horse. I can't imagine the Ballymore would be considered at all. Um, he looks like he wants a trip and he stays well. As I said, he w- he was strong at the line. So for me, he, he's he's one worth having a look at but there's probably no need to rush into him because he's not going to shorten much between now and then. You can wait and see how the Albert Bartlett is shaping up but um, I think he's a contender.
0: And Tony, would you can, would you agree with Barry's thoughts on that or are you looking at him in a different angle?
1: Very similar actually. Um, I would have been on the well and be him in his early starts. The trainer kept saying he's going to look better in a better race. Sometimes I just call it. Garbage on that because nine times ten doesn't turn out to be true, but it absolutely was through here. Um, he was well on top of the line. I was impressed with him. I got the impression earlier in the season the way they were placing them that, um, Hollow Games was probably the better of the two. He was the one that went to Down Royal with for the for the maiden and stuff like that. But um, uh, the market would have suggested Jinto had, had well passed him out. Um, so yeah, a, a good performance. I'm just going to give a negative on um the second horse grand jury Henry de Bromhead. I think there's a little bit of a kink in him Um I thought he didn't really fancy it now between the last two Um and Henry de Bromhead, I think he described him as quirky after his Punchestown Town win now, again that's a massive red flag for me because he never says anything remotely critical about his horses it's all uh, he might be a pessimist about what they're going to do but he's an optimist in describing them in the post race comments now but um yeah I, I, I didn't like his, 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 his finishing effort now I'd have a little bit of a question over him um, I think we'll come back to the Willie Mullins horse that I fancy for what he want later I'll, I'll talk about him maybe in relation to Dublin Racing Festival
0: OK uh, let's stick with you then Tony and rattle off a few other horses you wanted to mention in the Juvenile Division uh, Pie Piper and Vorban finishing in that order at Punchestown uh, a few a little while ago now Pie Piper now 16-1 to 1 for the Triumph Hurdle what positives were you taking out of that run?
1: Yeah I liked this race I thought this was a really good race Um Oftentimes the Leopardstown uh, three-year-old maiden hurdle is, the, is the, kind of the key juvenile hurdle at this time of the year. But this Punchestown race to me looked a better running than that. Um, this year, like Willie Mullins' horse that was second, had won a listed race in France, and this uh, the winner paid paper. Like he cost a hell of a lot of money, two hundred twenty thousand guineas for, out of John Gosden's. I think he finished up the flat rate at ninety six, and that's that's highly unusual now. I, I can't remember in recent times. A flat horse costing that much to go juvenile and that was sold publicly. Now something like Sir Eric uh, would have had that type of valuation, maybe even a little bit more, um, but he he went privately of course. But that's a hell of a lot of money, so his latent ability is very high. I thought he jumped better than Willie Mullins' horse, I thought he travelled better than Willie Mullins' horse, Um, he was in front plenty soon enough. He intimidated him to come in to the last and after the last a bit, and that's fair enough, but... I thought he, he was the one to take from it um, and the Mullins horse was extremely strong in the betting beforehand Um they're usually very fit and well back for the triumph order beforehand and interestingly enough Gordon Elliott said afterwards he's a nice horse I think he would an awful lot of improvement in him today I couldn't see him winning today because, and he hadn't even uh, been away from home so if he's going to that race half half cooked and he was beating a, a strongly fancied hard fit Mullins horse I think that's a that's an excellent start from him um, I'd see he's quite a fast horse, he looked at plenty of speed there, so maybe not necessarily a triumph on the new course, but he'd be very interested in going to the Dublin Racing Festival, going back to Punchestown maybe um, for their spring meeting. I, I thought it was a, a really good performance um, it's from a juvenile. He's the same ownership as, as, um, as Fidor, um, but yeah, I, I like him now. He's the first one that's really set me pulse racing of the Irish juveniles.
0: Very interesting, very positive on Pie Piper then. And Tony, sticking with you, Allegora De Davalci making her hurdles debut. Another Willie Mullins, rich Richie type. Very impressive on debut.
1: Yeah, uh, on the Welby Hore, to be honest. See, uh, she's favourite for the dawn run now. Uh, pff, no, didn't really she's currently t-
0: seven seven to one for the yeah. <sighs> yeah, one, uh, I, think.
1: I think that's pretty skinny. Um, moderate time overall late section I suppose you know gives it a little bit of an uptick in that but it looked a very steadily run race particularly in in the middle part of the race and um, she did have the grade one entry at christmas which they didn't declare her for which, which is somewhat encouraging in that but i thought her hurdling was quite big the jockey wanted her to keep a wide to give her a sight of her hurdles i wonder if she a little bit more of a chaser um, and also the second this um, Monisher Armouille now very unusual name um, it's a. It was rated one o nine, I think, on into that race, and it got a. It was very badly positioned with the way the race was run so slowly. Now it seems to be quite a keen sort, um, and it came from rear, but it was not noticeably quicker. I think a timed this from from three out than the winner, and it was given the winner. Um, I think six pounds. Now, I'd be. T- it's been put up to one one six after that. I'd be thinking that horse is really well handicapped. of one one six. If this is a down run horse, um. Now, it hasn't proved for the hood, but more likely, I'm probably thinking that this isn't a Don Run horse. However, there, there may be a Don Run horse that ran the last week, um, and I think it's this Dino Blue that ran down in Clonmel on Thursday the last. I was really, really impressed with this horse. Um, I backed off for the Don Run, I think she's 10 to 1 there, generally, that, that's a big price, I think. Her hurdling was really, really slick now. Um, so I thought for Clonmel, this was a really strong maiden hurdle. Mullins had the first three in the market, but the market was screaming for her. She, I think she opened up seven to two, and off evens. So, and anyone who backed her, I don't think it had too many worries. Um, but what's also kind of really impressive with this is the time. Um, she's way faster than the other two major races on the on, on the card. I wouldn't read enough awful into that. There weren't great races. A moderate handicap hurdle, a moderate maiden hurdle. But I timed her relative to that race. Barry was talking about the, the cash bag classic getaway race. So she is... Um, I think she's about six or seven seconds quicker than cash back um from when they're covering the same part of the course. So from the first and whole race to the line. But what's most interesting about that is um it's all basically come from three out. She's five, six seconds quicker than him from three out. Um basically doing this on the bridle by the way, not been asked a question at all. Horse having a first run on the race course. He's a hundred and fifty rated horse. Now she's carrying thirteen pounds less than him, but still was a hell of a performance. Um so she, I, I think she should be fair for the Don run. Um, It's a very open year, I think some has been six runs of it, Willie Mullins has won five of them, he's obviously dominated all the mayor's only races at the festival, Um, I think there's massive upside with her. Where he's gonna go next, through, I think be, it will be a little bit of a challenge, Um, because I presume Aligar de is gonna go back for the 18 long race, what is the Salerina hurdle at Fairy House, thinking late January, but I'm sure he'll find something for her. Um. That, uh, yeah, so I I thought tens was was perfectly um, decent price, at all, for that race.
0: Loving this Tony, you're very positive on a few here, and then a quick mention to another one. I think I think you're positive on anyway. Mount Ida, obviously uh, winning the Grade Three, yeah, the Grade Three at Fairy House. the Mayor's Chase there, uh, put the kettle on disappointing again and beating Ellie May in the process.
1: Yeah, I'm very positive about Mount Ida, although maybe not for her ne- Ida, that's how I would pronounce it anyway. Um, Mount Ida, whatever you want to call her. Um, although maybe not for her next target. I think she's, I think she's improved this year. Uh, Gordon Elliott was talking after the race, and he was saying that after Cheltenham last year, she had some issue with her back. Um, and if if she did, how she ran so well at Fairy House at Easter time on ground that wouldn't really suit her was was amazing. But she she's improved a lot. Um, I think over the win over the summer. Sorry and uh, won really well in Clamel and she was good here. Now, I'm not sure that the, the mayor's chase on the Friday at Chatham is going to be ideal for a, for a couple of reasons. Um, She'll be going down a 4 and trip um, from this race on New Year's Day, um, and the ground will likely be faster. Um, I think a time form, give it a soft on New Year's Day, despite what the official going was. So That's a little bit of a worry. Um, I think the track is also a worry for her. I know she won there last year. Um, but it was Kim Muir and she was absolutely lobbed in um, <laughs> like she was like you know there's no discussion Discussion, like if subsequent events have showed that she had a stone 20 pound in hand like you know so this is this is just the way it is um, her jumping right is still seems to be a feature you know, she obviously jumped markedly right the whole way through that Kim Muir she was doing it a little bit late in the race at Ferry House so that's a worry um, now I think she's a really good horse um, I think she's actually better in the gold cup I know that sounds absolutely insane from the point of view of what price she's going to go off and all that type of stuff, but I think she's a real stayer um, and I think there's probably a good graded race in her on a right-handed track or maybe a left-handed track over three miles plus. She's absolutely dominant in that Kim Muir last year and like, the second come out and won the Ladbrokes Trophy after that. But I just don't know is the Mare's Chase the ideal race for her. I would just also mention the horse that was toured in that race. In, uh, I mentioned Ellie May. You know, I think... Some of these other ones have passed Ellie May out. Um, she was really well in at the weights at Ferry House on, on, on New Year's Day, um, and didn't really have any excuses. Now maybe this, these couple of trips she had to England has knocked her form a little bit, but she's small, and I just think, yeah, it's grand. she could get away around Torless and maybe in smaller field affairs, but just at Cheltenham, the fences are a little bit tougher. Um, I just think she's a bit vulnerable. Jumping fences just seems to be such an effort for her. But Joseph O'Brien's horse, um, Scarlet and Dove, I thought she ran really well, actually, as well in that race. She was giving weight to both Mount Ida and um, Ellie May. She set a really strong gallop. Um, she jumps left, actually, um, whereas Mount Ida jumps right. And they they, they bumped into each other um, at the at the second last. They bumped into each other, putting it mildly, like... Mountita tried to knock her knock her out, like knockout out blow altogether. And Mount Eda's done this a couple I think she did this a little bit in the um I think she did this a couple of horses in the Kim year as well. She's pretty ignorant now. Um I'd say she's no proud to taking a couple of bumps. But um Scarlet and Dove didn't fancy it because she, she's not the most um resolute, I think, but when she's making the run and she she's quite dangerous. Um I think the other thing about her is she is one that thrived on loads of racing last spring. And she's now only had her second start of the season. I would expect her to keep coming forward in the spring. Like she, she ran in every race that was available uh, through last January, February, March and got better and better. Um, I, I liked her effort there as well. I think that it might be a little bit missed.
0: Okay well there's loads of positives to take there and that's why we paid Tony the big bucks you see because he's gone through the fine tooth comb, mentioned a load of horses there that some of you viewers may have missed over the Christmas period coming into the new year, maybe flying under the radar a bit and that's why Tony is the star of the show. Barry is still with us by the way and we're going to put him to work in due course because now we are moving on to question time. We ask your questions and we got so many of them and some really interesting ones as well. Uh, We've put together a collection of the best. but we will be asking you for your questions going forward so please continue to get involved we read them all whether it's on our instagram or uh on twitter facebook youtube um so we pick the best and so yeah when we give a shout out next time please continue to send your questions in, but let's get stuck in to listeners' question time. Uh, We're going to start with the racing guide who asked on Twitter, I believe, which horse are the three of you looking forward to seeing most at the Dublin Racing Festival? Uh, So we just spoke about this beforehand, the racing guide, and I was going to choose Fernie Hollow and Tony put me in my place and told me that he didn't think that it was going to run there. Um, That was the horse I was most looking forward to, but a pin in a balloon. And so elsewhere, they tried to make me say honeysuckle, but I'm not going to be such a cliche. Of the novice hurdlers, I'm looking forward to seeing Blazing Kahul if he goes there, which I think he will. Obviously, we haven't seen him since running so well at Cheltenham twice. Uh, I think he's got a huge engine. His jumping needs to improve, but that's what I'm looking forward to seeing at Leperstown. I want to see him crucially be a bit slicker with his jumping. But uh, he's a horse I really like, and we've seen him do it at Cheltenham already. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh Barry, wakey wakey, let's get you back involved. Who are you looking forward to seeing, please?
2: Yeah, likewise, I was looking forward to seeing Fernie Hollow, but but are not Fernie Hollow, um, should I say um it is Fernie Hollow, yeah. Um looking forward to seeing Fernie Hollow. <laughs> but um Tony obviously put us in our place there. Uh Blue Lord is a yeah. horse that I have loved as well. So if Fernie Hollow, even if he is the turn up, Blue Lord. Is going to be an interesting contender um, and with the tough race Fernie Hollow had there's a good case to be made for him maybe skipping this one which would leave the door open for a Blue Lord I'd feel
0: yeah to be fair you have been on the Blue Lord bandwagon for a little while uh, Tony who are you looking forward to seeing
1: well I'm, I'm looking forward I'm not certain that Fernie Hollow isn't running I, ju- I just think he is at a couple of hard races quite quickly you've
0: already poured cold water on all our hopes and dreams Tony <laughs> yeah. so don't back out of it now
1: well, it's it's possible that he won't run. Um, I'm looking forward to first of all, hopefully, Henry de Bromhead and Gordon Elliott taking on Willie Mullins, because this meeting is going to be a damn squib if it just turns into the Willie Mullins trial meeting, which is what it was last year. Um, I'm looking forward to that paid paper running, hopefully, in in the spring juvenile. Um, I'm looking forward to giving another chance to um, what do you want in the if he goes back the two males in, in the what, what used to be the delight or whatever it's called now. Um, I'm not giving up on him after Nias, uh, it was a little bit disappointing but I, I think he, I was really impressed with his jumping Um I thought he got into a bit of bother there, they were you know they caught in the pocket Um I still thought turning in coming to the second last, I, think th- I still think Dara Keith thought he was going to win it, the body language would have said that and the horse just didn't pick up and I'm just wondering is he a two-mailer? Um, Danny Mullins uh, commented after he won his maiden hurdle that he, he wouldn't be afraid to go down and trip. I think Willie Mullins commented the same at one point. So he could be a live one, uh, kind of at a, a, what I'd hope would be a bigger price. He doesn't look like making up into a Ballymo horse. I was on about that a couple of weeks, so that, I don't think that's going to happen. It has to be down in trip. About the ground at this point and I'm also looking at like a race that I know there's loads of obvious horse, but I think the mayor's bumper is going to be a right race at the Dublin Racing Festival a lot of people don't like this mayor's program and um, I do for the simple reason that these wouldn't be in training if the program wasn't there and um, and I think a lot of the very interesting races are coming up these mayor's only races but I think um The Model Kingdom looked very good in her two bumper wins for Noel Mead but Hermione Maker was impressive with Town on New Year's Eve really impressive, you'd be thinking maybe she'd get a bit of ground back on her and even smaller trainers um, have got good horses good mares potentially for this. I thought Doran's Weir was quite unlucky at Christmas in the last race at Leopardstown, kind of done with getting out um, a little bit sooner Willie Mullins' horse beat it and also um, Lorna Fowler had a horse won a fairy house on New Year's Day uh, naughtiness you know, type of trainer, Willie Mullins obviously does have an awful lot of mares as they're scored now, but smaller trainers can get in on the act here. And I think that's potentially a, a good race to finish off the meeting.
0: like it. So... Barry with Blue Lord, me with Blazing Carl, but an overriding view of Furn- but looking forward to seeing Fernie Hollow. And then Tony was, What do you want? Pie Piper for the reasons he mentioned before, and the Mayor's Bumper. Uh, let's move on to Mark Jordan, who's asked, Should they make some of the Grade 1 chases handicaps to attract bigger fields? This idea has been banded around quite a bit. Barry, what do you make of that idea?
2: Yeah, well, I suppose if you look at the Dublin Racing Festival, um, the handicaps are well catered for. There's three handicap chases, um, and there's been Likewise at Christmas as well, but I know some of the graded races, maybe the grade one novice in, in Limerick, there's a question mark over that. There is a lot of graded races that maybe could be dropped back to grade twos where you have a horse carrying a penalty and it might level the field a little bit more. Um, but as a guy's bringing it back to handicaps, it's hard to see that happen.
0: Um, Tony, what would your view on that be?
1: yeah i probably would prefer um maybe a few more graded high class handicaps i don't like the way that race authorities are sort of patting themselves on the back every year and saying oh we've now increased the status of this race that race you know there's x more grade, grade threes. it's kind of meaningless in some regard it's just a little bit false i think something like the victor chandler handicap that became the clarence house was demonstrably a better race um when it was a handicap some brilliant renewals of that was now you just get Well, this season, it it should be a brilliant race again, hopefully if the big two turn up. But you can just get a a very short odds-on shot prepping for a champion chase. So, um, yeah, I I think it would be a little bit beneficial. But I do think the genie's out of the bottle. When you've just gone down the road of creating more and more graded races, um, it's kind of hard to go back.
0: Okay, question three, Rover Joyce has asked, uh, are horses coming from point to point doing a year in Irish bumpers starting to be too old? Kill or Gerhard, are horses that are mentioned there, both of them are seven, have a year of their prime being wasted in a bumper. So essentially, is bumpers wasting time? Uh, Tony, let's go to you first on this one. Do you think bumpers are a waste of time, some of these pointers?
1: Obviously this is um, sacrilege for any Irish punters who bumpers very popular races on Irish cards. But yeah, I I think a little bit. They can be be spending too many uh, years competing in kind of confined company, between going to a pint, going to a bumper, going to a novice hurdle, going to a novice chase. Um, You know, horses can be very good and very competitive against rivals when they're 5 and 6 and 7. And I know hanging on and you're bringing them up through the ranks and things like that um, gradually progression does keep the dream alive and maybe unbeaten streaks and more graded races and all this type of stuff but yeah maybe getting them into open competition a bit earlier would be better you know I, I often wonder like these amazing novices like say when he won the Arkel or Envoy Allen when he won the Ballymore like, would they and how competitive would they have been just in open company people say oh sure they were all found out afterwards you know and may, maybe that is the truth but maybe they were just absolutely at the peak of the powers at that age um, and they would have been able to be competitive. Like The fact that Darver Starr was able to run toward in the champion hurdle um, would have said that Envoy Allen would have been very competitive in that champion hurdle with the way they'd run at the Royal Bond before that. So, yeah, it's something that I don't have a ready solution for, but I definitely would be thinking it's something that could be looked at.
0: Okay, and Barry, from your point of view with this one uh, you deal with young national hunt horses all the time there must be plenty that come through your yard that you, you'd be happy to see them kick on into miss their bumper season essential miss bumpers out altogether and kick on hurdling and then maybe chasing down the line or do you think every, everyone should go down the bumper route
2: no I wouldn't think so um, Constitution Hill for an example is a five year old and he's got a novice hurdle, it's perfect, he'll be back next year, maybe novice chasing as a six-year-old, and then he's an open company as a seven-year-old, and that to me is the ideal path. Being in a bumper as a six-year-old is a bit of a, a waste of a season for me. Um, the only other angle to it is, sometimes these novices, they're very good novices, and they don't progress to be better horses, so their novice year is possibly their best year, so maybe some benefit from a little delay and they've reached their novice year as seven-year-olds and they can really maximise on the potential rather than being a six-year-old as a novice, not as strong. And then when they get to open company, they're just not good enough. So some horses benefit from it that maybe aren't just top class and they're really good novices because they have the extra bit of time maybe.
0: Okay, and Barry, let's stick with you for the next question because Tom North has asked, what's the best hurdle chase debut you've ever seen? Let's go to you first for this one, Barry
2: yeah well i suppose the, the the most impressive i had was on uh maybe simon sieg in ascot back in 2012 i think it was um 140 lane lengths romped up i i don't think i've ever had a, an easier first time out over fences Jump perfectly it was yeah he, he set his doll out for the arc that day
0: nice and what about you tony most impressive hurdle or chase debut you've ever seen
1: yeah i'd love to say it was really clever and spotted one of these you know that, uh, uh, most times I haven't got a clue and I just come home and look at it and try and pick holes and things like that. But there's been loads of Willie Mullins, novice chasers that kind of won in really impressive fashion, but they're all kind of the same. They just go off in front and, you know, Vika Legionnaire or Givol or Chuck and Persoine, all this type of stuff. I went for one. Uh, Noel horse come back. Pandorama, one that's made in hurdle at Navin. Like it was, it was more the jockey, like Paul Calvary sitting swinging on the bridle there, laughing at lads. Um, now, he, he didn't really deliver after. He won grade ones after. I never just reached the heights He was quite fragile and stuff like that. But yeah, I thought that was that was a really impressive, uh, Hordle debut.
0: Stuck in your mind, clearly. And let's stick with you, Tony, for the last question. From Ali, uh, Ali Barkley on Instagram has asked, are there any horses still out there to be unearthed before the festival? Or are the prices going to stay more or less the same from now on in, Tony?
1: Well, certainly there are horses to be unearthed. Um there's loads of markets. Well, there's a few markets that have to come alive. Like the Supreme is 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 largely not largely set, but it's set to a degree. Um with, with the big three horses, depends on how Sir Gerhard runs at the Dublin Racing Festival. But there's there's flexibility. Well,
0: and obviously Tony, the only one we really care about is Constitution Hill. Oh, of of course, mm-hmm.
1: and, I, and I was I I also see you didn't put the poor chap's question in. Who asked about what were the holes in Constitution Hill? I kind of told him <laughs> maybe, maybe he should try another show with that question because this is the this is the this is the the Constitution hype Club. But anyway, um, <laughs> in, in relation to the the, the the other gentleman's question there. Um, I think one thing that I took away from Cheltenham last year is sometimes over over recent years people have said that the, the prices are what the prices are like three weeks a fortnight before they've all run the prices are static you know what edge is there what margin is there you know a punter having a bet the, the prices are just pretty accurate well I thought last year if ever there was a year just gave the lie to that completely and I'm talking about even the most obvious of horses on the first day, like appreciate and honeysuckle were just massive shorteners from when they were declared. I am um, on the Sunday, Appreciated went. I think from 11 to 8 into 8 to 11, honeysuckle went from I think nine to fours. You even available at five to two, um, on the Sunday into 11 to 10. Like just talking about getting edges there, 18, 20% on your bets, massive edges. Um, Fury Road was another one he was a massive shortener, Like his far more looked in the book. Like he was 16s, 20s, fortnight before the race went off fours, um. On the Friday, a couple of real solid bankers that appeared Zana and Ellie Mae, Lots of money for the, the stable mates there, um, Qualixius, half and price, Colorivi half and price. Um, so, I suppose the point I'm making is that there are people um, who can't bet in anti post markets, who have good information, exceptionally good judges, all that type of stuff, and they're just sitting waiting to make plays. And they wait until the markets become very, very liquid, um, nearly off. So I think there's plenty of time for punters who want to sit out and wait, and you can have very good bets with massive edges on SP. now. four of those five that I mentioned, are one, and that's just that's just happenstance, really. But yeah, though the prices are definitely not set, and um, I'd be expecting loads of market moves up until that um, late stage. Brilliant
0: excellent answer and excellent questions everyone like I said before thank you very much uh, we will do more questions in January and into February as well as we build up the the Festival uh, but whilst we've got quite a few weeks it's nice to inv- involve our viewers so thank you very much for getting in contact with us uh, let's move on very quickly to the week ahead um, like I say quiet time of year dry January and all that and a, a few um, sort of quiet weeks on the racing front as well but the big highlight this coming week maybe well hopefully will be Bob Olin returning at Punchestown Barry um, what do you hope to see from him this time around obviously we saw him uh, last time I think people were crabbing him for his jumping a little bit but you've always been, you've, you're, you're still pretty positive on him at this stage
2: yeah a lot of people were requesting his jump and I thought his jumping was good a uh, little bit big early on but through the middle part of the race he jumped really well he got in his head at the back of the third last in Gorn which is a real speed fence Downhill run, horses can get on their head. I'd forgive him that. And then the last fence is positioned right in front of a stand, and you know Dara went down looking for a short stride, and that stand can just take horses' attention away. So he fumbled the last a little bit. But I thought in the main he was very good, and I'd expect a good round from him on Sunday. And um, no, I think he, I think he'll be, he'll put the record straight.
0: Okay, and Tony, Tony, do you have anything to add there? Re and or anything else you're looking forward to over the next few days? Actually.
1: No, I suppose people are know by the time they're watching what's what's running in the in the couple of good races at Punchestown. There's no point really discussing it now.
0: Okay, let's move on to tracker time then. Uh, my tracker is an all-weather horse for you, which got laughed up by the boys, uh, but I was very impressed with Chance at Lingfield on Saturday, won the feature race for Simon Ed Christopher, think he's an above-average all-weather operator, uh, One for maybe uh, all-weather finals day or some of those big all-weather races over the coming weeks and months. That's what you're here for, guys, some all-weather flat handicapper <laughs> for you. Um, but uh, let's get back to the more serious stuff. Tony, who's your tracker horse for the week, please?
1: Uh, I went with Port Storm, he ran at Punchestown on New Year's Eve in the beginner's just won by En Baton. probably pronouncing that terribly, but anyway, um, like a lot of these uh, Irish novice races, like those two races, the, the fancied ones to the front and the ones that aren't going to be winning out the back, he was very much in the latter part of that, but he travelled r- really well, I thought, um, made a badish mistake around halfway, came straight back on the bridle, all the other ones in his kind of part of the race were been scrubbed along, he was still travelling smoothly, he came down to two out, um, that was the fence that Gallaty man, the, the favourite fell, he kind of seemed to get distracted with that, jumped a bit right and I thought he kept on reasonably well for quite a, a gentle type of ride. Um, he's trained by one of the trainers in the north of Ireland um, and has done a lot of his racing, uh, you know, north of England, Scottish tracks and stuff like that. Um, I'd be thinking he could win a novice chase over there and maybe go handicapped he, he actually had a really good run last year in the River Doncaster, I think he was second or third in it. Um, at, at a big price now it was a race that probably fell apart a lot of the fancy ones didn't turn up but um, yeah I, I think there's a small race in him definitely somewhere um, maybe in the week of competition over in England
0: Okay it's all about winners for tracker time and uh, Barry's already had a Grade One winner this season but Barry who is your tracker please for this week uh,
2: Savi Pimpernel caught Inferius. How well he he jumped much better than he has jumped in the past now he's £12 well in on his mark over fences in comparison to his mark over hurdles. But he travelled really well. He jumped really well. He was the only horse who got into any threatening position from three out to two out behind Dunvegan and Black Bow. So um, he did drop away and was beaten 33 lengths. But I think this horse, when he gets good ground, albeit he'd form on heavy ground over hurdles, and it's not unusual for a horse to struggle... I've seen plenty of horses in the past. For Paddy the Pastor, for example, won a grade, one novice hurdle on heavy ground but need a good ground over fences. So the exertion of jumping fences, whatever, it, it affects horses that they need better ground sometimes. So I'm buying into that. I think when this fella gets good ground, he'll be thrown in and handicap.
0: Very good. So Soviet Pimpernel for Barry. Storm for Tony and Chance on the whole weather for me. Uh, that wraps up this edition of the show. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Thank you very much for your involvement. Uh, let us know what you made of the show. All feedback, welcome. Next week, do tune in because we'll be looking ahead to the Clarence House chase and a potential smash-up between Shishkin and Anergamin. But in the meantime, thank you all very much for watching. That was Off The Fence.